0: Next pitch is a line drive over Horwitz and down the right field line of base hit. Rounding third and coming in to score is Smith. Seeger will ease into second with an RBI double. It's uh, three doubles in four batters here for the Rangers who now lead
1: five to nothing. That was the call yesterday on your home for Rangers baseball. This is Sean, RJ, and Bobby. We are joined by Brett Boone, host of the Brett Boone podcast, an Odyssey original featuring the most notable names in baseball and all-around sports every week after the Rangers won their fourth in a row, 6-3 over Toronto, they are one game back in the West. They have that number two wild card spot right now. Good morning, Brett. How are you, sir? Good. How are you doing? Uh, better than Max Scherzer. What is a tricep spasm? <laughs> what the heck is that? Uh,
0: to, to be honest with you, I don't know. I think we're going to find out more today. Obviously, if Max came out of the game, uh, something's not right. So hopefully it's something that's, that's passing. Maybe he will miss a start. Maybe you won't. But I think we're going to get more information today. Texas at this point, you know, they, they, they've had a great year. Obviously, in the last month, hit a skid. Uh, starting to play better again, Um, getting Evaldi back. I know his first outing wasn't great. Scherzer got lit up his last outing, but last night he went out pitch five before the injury, gave up no runs. And I I think all along I'm looking at this race, and we all have been looking at this race, with Houston, Seattle back in the mix now, uh, and Texas. The key to Texas is you got to have that one-two at the top. It's got to be Scherzer, Evaldi down the stretch to kind of carry this team. The offense is obviously – uh, <laughs> quite well off on its own. Mm-hmm. But, but pitching-wise, you look at all these teams in this race, and, and I look at it this way. I look at the Blue Jays, obviously not in the division, Houston, Seattle, and Texas. There's four really good teams right there. There's only three spots in the postseason. So one of those teams is going to be out. Who, who it's going to be, we'll see down the stretch. I still like this Texas team. Obviously, got to wait for the Scherzer news. He's a huge huge part of that run obviously down the stretch that's what they got them for uh so hopefully the news is good for for rangers fans and we'll see but it's going to be a fun race i mean these four teams are really it's it's a shame that one of these teams is not going to be in the postseason because they're four really good teams that could go deep into the postseason we'll wait to see and, and by the way that 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 uh, tricep Whatever it is, I got no clue. I got no clue what that means. I'll be honest with you up front.
1: So, because you know what, if, if a pitcher
0: says they've got a forearm, I think a lot of people are just like, ooh, I know what that usually leads to. The tricep isn't something that kind of, the first thing you think of leads to something really, really bad? No, no, not that I've heard in, in you know, my experience. I've never heard of a tricep that led to a Tommy John. So, so I, I don't know. I think today is, is a big day and we'll find out what's going on in
1: there. Brett, when you look at the the awful run the Rangers had gone through before they they won these most recent four games, uh, you know, they had right. lost uh they went four and fifteen over a nineteen game stretch, and in three of those mm-hmm. they they took the lead in the ninth inning or extra innings. And so I mean the very thin margins, they could have very easily been one and eighteen basically over three weeks. When something like that happens and it just feels so unsustainably bad relative to your talent, what do, you, what do you start looking at? Is that a chemistry thing? Do you start asking questions about, you know, effort? Or, or what would you be looking at if you were in that clubhouse?
0: I don't worry about effort at all, you know, with these guys in the field, especially with their skipper, Bruce Bochi. There's so much respect walking into that clubhouse for your skipper. There, there's not going to be a lack of effort there. Uh, you got to look internally. It's those players. I mean, at the end of the day, we can talk about Bruce Bochy and how great of a leader he is. Uh, At the end of the day, it's the 26 guys in that clubhouse. And it always has been. Every team I've ever been on, you're going to hit a bump in the road throughout the course of 162. It's just going to happen. I've been on very few teams where we kind of just went wire to wire and really didn't have a hiccup, you know very few times in my career that happened. It happened in 2001 and 1999. It kind of happened. I was with the Braves. Uh, but other than that, you're going to, you're going to have tough sledding at some part of the season. And internally, you just got to find a way. One of their big guys, Garcia is now down. Young is a big guy offensively. That's been down for him. Hoping to get both of those guys back by the end of the season, but the offense isn't the problem. I mean, this offense has been across the board. Number one in the American league, the entire season, uh, I look at Texas. I like that starting rotation. I really do. I think they're as deep as anybody uh, that potentially is going to the post season here. As far as starting pitching wise, the only thing I look at with, with everything in today's game, 2023, it's different than it was 20 years ago. Teams now build a power bullpen. They put a lot of money into the bullpen. Whereas in, in past generations and, and, uh, generations of players it's been pretty much if you're not good enough to be a starting pitcher you go to the bullpen that's not the case anymore people build their teams around power bullpens the other teams that the the other three that i discussed in in the in the three spots for four teams they all have solid bullpens texas if there's a weakness it's their bullpen and and we're going to see how much today's game and building that power bullpen really matters down the, down the stretch because Texas by far has the weakest out of the four teams I mentioned.
1: Brett Boone, the former Mariner, here on 105.3 The Fans, Seattle 3-7 and seven in their last 10. What, what has happened to your squad?
0: Exactly. I mean, that's, that's the ebb and flow of these teams. You look at all these teams. Who, who is the, the best team in baseball? It's the Atlanta Braves. They're the only team that you haven't seen really hit a, hit, hit a, hit a dry spell and, and hit a losing streak. Seattle Mariners, uh, because I do play, pay close attention to them, I do love that starting rotation. I think it's as good as anybody out there. Their offense is in, you know, middle-of-the-road offense. But all year they've just been moseying along. They got to the All-Star break. The talk at the All-Star game this year in Seattle was, yeah, you know, wish the team was just doing better. Well, ever since then, for the next two months, they had the best record in baseball. Then they hit a skid. It's just the way it is. It's tough to play that good that long. Um, I was looking at all the uh, all the 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 remaining schedule for these guys. Six games, I think they have left with teams under five hundred. When I'm talking to the Texas Rangers, so their schedule's okay. Houston's got the easiest schedule out of the bunch in that in that uh, division. So. I don't know. A lot of things, a lot of questions out there right now. I still like this Rangers team. If the news comes back today and and Scherzer's feeling okay and it's going to be okay, I still take my opinion. Texas Rangers are going to win this division. Woo, Booney. I know it's a uh, yeah, right. It's, I know it's a different era. Um, I, I got a buddy who pitched in your era. So if he didn't go more than you know five, if he didn't get in the sixth inning. When he came in, the, the the vets of the team were like, "Oh, gee, thanks for killing us for the next three days," you know, by not right. saving the bullpen. What was your take on George Kirby complaining oh, about pitching <laughs> and going back out for an inning when he he was uh, the horror at ninety pitches already? Exactly. Okay. When I first saw it, you know, the the generation I played in in baseball for one hundred and fifty years until recently. I watched that video and I just said, I've never seen anything like that in my life. I've never seen a pitcher go. Maybe pitchers, maybe position players feel that way, but you never go in front of the cameras and say it. Then I took a step back and and took a few breaths and said, okay, the the kids today, the, the young players today, the way they come up through the minor leagues, they're programmed. And 90 pitches is in their mind. And... And when he said that, he said, you know, I shouldn't have been out there 90 pitches. Next day, he comes back, retracts a little bit, apologizes, but it's out there. And and it's all about how his teammates receive that. You know, I know as a teammate, I'm looking at that going, are you kidding me? You know, we all haven't felt great. We're all kind of some days aren't at our best. We feel it internally. But we don't verbalize it to the press, so it's going to be really interesting. I think Kirby's pitching tonight. It's going to be really interesting how he comes back that first start after all kind of the the, the scandal that went on with with his words on on video. Uh, I think it's something today's game. They're probably going to get past it if if Kirby goes out today and pitches six and pitch, pitches six shutout innings. I think it's going to be something in the past. As a team at this stage, they've got enough veterans in that clubhouse to kind of. Get past this. They probably had internal talks. Kirby's probably thinking, you know, I didn't really mean to say that. From all the guys I talked to in Seattle, my friends, guys still tied to the organizations, I talked to them uh, privately and, and asked them, and and I got a resounding, uh, we really like this Kirby kid. This Kirby kid's a gamer. That's out of character for him to say something like that. So I trust the guys I talked to that are around that team a lot more than I am. And they all had real positive, this guy's a gamer, this guy's got big, you know, I can't say it on air, but, but he's got some cojones. So I, I'm hearing that from, from guys that are around the team on a daily basis. That, that gives me some positive feedback instead of just jumping onto that, that, that sound bite that's going to keep playing and playing. It's not a good look, definitely wasn't a good look, especially this time where Seattle slid a little bit. But it's all going to be how if Kirby goes out there and pitches the way he's been pitching all year, this is going to be forgotten real quick.
1: Brad, I want your athlete opinion on, on grass versus turf. This is always a fight in the NFL. We have Jerry Jones on every week. He says there's no reason to go to grass, although players seem to all want it. The NFLPA has just called for grass in all stadiums after the Aaron Rodgers injury. Do you have a major preference, or is there no argument that grass is better for athletes versus turf?
0: Well, I think Major League Baseball, uh, you know, you'll know you see at the minor league level now, just from a maintenance, just from a fiscal responsibility, its its there's no maintenance. But in the big leagues, when you had kind of unlimited resources and you have a grounds crew of 15 or 20 guys, I think Major League Baseball loves that grass because it's perfect. And you go out to a Major League field and you see, I mean, it is – You can get down there with with a protractor, a ruler, whatever you want, and it's perfect. So I prefer the grass if you have the people to maintain it. At the lower levels, uh, not really. The only thing is the grass is getting better and better. So it really resembles natural grass as much as you possibly could. And the one thing about the fake grass I like as an infielder, is it was predictable. You were never going to get a bad hop. There was, there was never a divot. You know, when, when, when you turn real quick and, and catch a spike and a divot in the grass, well, that could come back later if the ball hits there and give you a bad hop. The fake grass, never a bad hop. So, mm. so I, as a player, prefer it. But I think aesthetically, uh, because you do have the resources at the big league level, the grass, for baseball players, it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter as far as a, as a health.
1: As a health thing. So you didn't feel more uh, cautious like running on it, making a turn one versus the other? No,
0: but but you remember when I came up, it was the early nineties, so it wasn't this natural, nice grass we have, this 2023 Mm. fake grass that they have now that's state of the art. I mean, I came up when you're playing in Montreal and you're on that old uh artificial turf (laughs) where there was nothing but a, a thin layer of turf and concrete beneath you. So that was different. It was a fun game back there because it was a step and a dive. It was almost like a video game. The game was a lot faster. Uh, The hops were true. It was just faster. I preferred the turf. I loved playing on the turf. I loved playing defense on the turf. But the wear and tear in your body over the years, I definitely started to feel it. I remember as a young player in Cincinnati, we had the artificial turf. And most of the teams, most of the stadiums back then when I first came up did. And I loved playing on the turf. And I always used to say it. You know, I'm 22, 23 years old. And I remember uh, teammate of mine, my my double play combination. Barry Larkin walking through the clubhouse, and he was four or five years my senior. And he'd have ice bags toe, you know, from toe to toe to head, and after every game. And I'd say, "Come on, man, how old are you?" He goes, "You play on this turf for a few more years, you're going to figure it out." <laughs> well, I did, you know, oh, down oh. the line. I my knees started to bother me, and and fast forward five or six years later, I was a I was a Barry Larkin with knees on my. Uh, or with ice on my knees and my shoulders, and it was all from that artificial turf. A lot of fun to play on when you're young. It's a young man's game to play on that turf, but it was tough over the long haul. You look at guys like Andre Dawson played on it his whole career, and now he walks the way he walks. That's just that's what we dealt with back then. But today's guys, you don't have to worry about it from a a safety standpoint because that grass is so realistic that they make now. So I, I just think big leagues, they like having that, natural graft turf because they have the resources to take care of it perfectly. Like I said, in the minor leagues where you don't have the resources, it's really nice having that fake grass because it's so consistent and you don't have to maintain it.
1: Great perspective, man. Thank you. We'll do it again next time. You got it. Thanks guys. That was Brett Boone, host of the Brett Boone podcast and Odyssey original. Make sure to follow the Brett Boone podcast on the Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. How serious does Basic think the Max Scherzer injury is? Crosstalk with KMC next.